Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and Tech podcast, a roundtable discussion with leading WordPress tech experts. Here's your hosts, Jonathan Denwood and Andrew Palmer. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show this week in WordPress and tech. It's episode 652. We're recording this live on Friday, the December the 10th, 2021. Got a great panel, got a great load of stories. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves and then we'll be straight into our stories. And I've got a great guest, got Paul C., KK Paul C. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself, Paul, to the tribe? I will indeed. My name is Paul C. from WP Tets, a channel that creates content on helping you get more out of WordPress. This is my first time on you. I'm really looking forward to getting involved in this conversation. So that's a little bit about me and probably more than enough. Yes. So, Paul, when is the Delicious Brain sponsoring your YouTube channel? Uh, I think they put the date down for the 32nd of October. All right. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I look forward to that. Um, That, That's that's uh, right after the Ides of Never. (laughs) Is that yes. of the, the Ides of uh, January? Yes. <laughs> so, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? Yes. I am Sally Getch, WP fangirl and recovering classicist. Oh, well, there we go. Got my friend Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? Spencer Foreman, fully caffeinated and had my early morning hot tub ready to rock. Let's do this. It shows. I've got my friend Chris. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS. I help course creators create, launch, and scale high-value online learning platforms. There we go. And I've got my close friend, John Locke. John, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? John from Lockdown SEO. That's great. Before we go into our first story, I've got a message from my major sponsor. We'll be back in a few moments. Hi there, folks. I just wanted to tell you about our major sponsor, and that's Castos. If you're looking to get into podcasting for yourself or for clients, you need a top-quality podcasting platform, and that's what you get with Castos. It has a superb interface, really easy to use, and you're not penalised for success. They have a flat-rate pricing structure. Don't matter how many podcasts you make, how many downloads you achieve, you'll just pray at one fixed rate with Castos, plus there's support and just the quality of the people are just amazing. Also, for the WP Tonic Tribe, Castos is just offering an amazing deal. If you go to the WP Tonic website, backlink newsletter, you can get your first six months at half price. That's right, half price. That's only an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Also, you'll be able to sign up for the WP Tonic weekly newsletter, which keeps you informed about all the stories and what's happening in the WP Tonic tribe. Please show your support for the show and support Castos. It's a fantastic platform. We're coming back. And I would like to point out, if you want to sponsor the show and promote your WordPress plugin or service, all you have to do is go to WPTonic slash sponsorships and you'll be able to sponsor the show for one episode, one month, three months, six months. We've got various packages. So we're going to go into the first story. And that's about Gravatar. Oh, my God, fathers. So, Spencer, what was your take on this, Spencer? I think it's interesting. We're seeing a trend this month of how can you annoy and mess with well-known brands and well-known people? I mean, we, we talked last week about the, like the, the controversy from the Delicious Brains people, but like somebody saying Flip WP was selling uh, I still don't. Un- I still don't understand what the hell you long, were talking long story, about. Long there. story short, this one has an interesting spin because now there's like some rumor, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, that some big company got hacked. It's enough to start the rumor to do the damage. And I think that's the takeaway from this. They're saying they're not hacked, but some third-party anonymous group of people is saying, we've hacked you and we've let everybody know that you're a customer, that you're hacked. So I don't know what the real truth is behind this. I don't think there's enough information yet. 
But it's clear to most people that like, if you sign up for a service, it's fairly likely at some point your credentials will be taken. So the takeaway for the end user is the same, which is, you know, be clever, maybe use a pattern or something, but have different credentials for different signup services. One of the things I've often told people is use a pattern. So when you sign up, you know, your emails can have catch-alls. You can say like, gravatar at spencerforman.com and your you know password is something that's a pattern but it's unique to this particular entity because when it gets stolen at least you don't have to go back and change every other thing in your entire universe now i understand from sources that your friend otto has been his normal warm and compassionate compassionate self about responding to complaints around this i mean i don't is he in the com- i didn't see him in the comments he's not even here is he no, I just just heard a whisper that he's been at his normal ways. But there we go. So isn't, Paul, isn't he retired now? He's living in, I think, Costa Rica or something. Uh, isn't oh, well, there you go. Maybe his attitude will get better. I'm just starting a rumor. That's no, well, there we go. <laughs> so, Paul C., what do you reckon about... This is a bit old, guide. This is a delicious story because it goes on. It always, it always gives every year, it seems. The hacking... Uh, sorry, the... Possibility of a hacking situation, you mean? Um, like Spencer says, I think you've just got to be smart with these things because at some point, your information, everything is going to get hacked, no matter how uh, secure you're told these things are. They're only as secure as their weakest link. And let's be honest, most of the time, the weakest link is probably one of us, is a human sort of link in it. So, you know, I think we do have to be a little bit more sensible with it. But the reality is it's going to happen at some point is what you do afterwards and how the company actually handles that information. And so far, Gravatar don't seem to be that open and forthcoming in, in really helping people feel a little bit more secure about the situation. So maybe there needs to be a little bit more clarity and transparency there with what's happened and the implications of what has happened. So that will kind of be my take on my limited knowledge of what's kind of happening there over at Gravatar at the moment. Yeah, so Sally, they seem to be a little bit dismissive about, or am I just getting the wrong impression, Sally? Uh, You might be. Uh, I I haven't paid that much attention to the response to this, but how I found out about it was that I got a bunch of emails from Firefox Monitor Mm. uh, saying, hey, uh, uh, your emails uh, have been exposed on uh, Gravatar. And what they stated about it was very clear that whatever it was that had happened, um, they found the customer emails. They did not find passwords, uh, et, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I don't know how this happened, but it seemed like, right, so you don't really have to do anything uh, and I wasn't too worried. Uh, now, uh, you know, it's still probably advisable. I go change my email uh, addresses. I can probably tell my password app to just, you know, change change my passwords. Probably just tell my password app to do it automatically, and it will. Uh, <clears throat> which is why you need a password app. Um, but, you know... There seems to be uh, no place so secure that it's not going to experience a breach. And indeed, yesterday I got one of those uh, messages from somebody's AOL account. You know, hey, can I ask you a favor? You, 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 you can't. You know, don't phone me because I forget what. And and it was one of those kind of really obvious things. So I, you know, sent a message to the other email address I have for the person and said, "Hey, uh, have you been hacked?" And she's like, "Oh yeah." Well, lovely. So, Chris, what do you reckon about this? I had my identity stolen a couple of years ago, and it was a huge pain. Oh, no. Are, are um, we talking to the real Chris, actually? <laughs> yeah, what glasses are there? <laughs> yeah. It was, um, it, it's all, it's pretty much resolved now, but it takes a long time to resolve. And, you know, I use things like 1Password, super strong, um, super strong password uh, strength meters and, and things like that. And I just have practices in place. And I, I really have a strong filter for even like the email that Sally described or like, hey, we've been hacked. That actual email could be somebody phishing for your password. Click here to reset your password and or something like that. So you just, I just feel for the world that's not like super techie. It'd be so, I just, it's it's rough out there. Identity and privacy is like super rough out there. 
And then I just want to add also just one level of um, uh, education around how security and penetration testing works. So um, like at Lifter LMS, we hire a, a company. We actually spend significant amounts of money with a company called Bug Crowd that actively recruits hackers to try to break our stuff, find holes and stuff like that. The only other WordPress companies I saw on there are Automatic and, and WooCommerce is kind of listed as a separate project. But I think what the um, uh, I think what happened here is like a, they're called security researchers found a hole, they fixed it. I'm not sure this was an actual hack. I'd really have to dig into the details. Just because it leaked that a security re researcher found a vulnerability which the company fixed, and then they said we didn't disclose because we fixed it. To me, that's fine. Like they're not hiding anything; they're actually delivering on what the purpose of security research is. You know something, Chris? Yeah, I think you're fine. I think it's useful. But why automatic? Why don't they? I got a suggestion for automatic, Chris. Yeah. Why don't you get Gutenberg bloody finished and get WooCommerce finished and give up on all this other shit? You like, know, I, you know, I got, you know, I got a suggestion for them. You mean they're um, spread too thin? Is that what you're saying? Pardon? They're spread too thin, too many projects? Just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit spread, aren't they? I, I think, mean, and I think on Story 5 or whatever, I got some ideas about that exact issue. But, but if I'll, we get I'll to Story 5. Be, there's 900 people now looking for a job that can help out. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, um, John, what, what's, what's your thoughts about this, John? So apparently um, this has been a ticket in uh, core for 11 years where gravitars should be disabled or opt-in by default, uh, but it still is not. Now, with the opt-in or um, with reversing the MD5 hashes into email addresses, that's something that dates all the way back to 2009 because somebody did something similar back then. And as the article states, this isn't a benign... Uh, breach because this can be used for uh, rather insidious purposes. Uh, for example, we forget that WordPress is a worldwide product, and this is used in a lot of places where uh, speech is not free, um, political or human rights violations might be happening, and people uh, can be on political forums and their email address can be uh, reversed via MD5 hash, and people can be tracked. I mean, this is not um, a, a thing that, that uh, to take lightly. So, uh, and there's other many other like uh, things that could be extrapolated from this. Uh, for example, I think the example that they give here is uh finding out what other sites you're logged into. You could find out if somebody has a medical condition because they've been browsing like certain sites. Uh, this could be used uh, by insurance companies or it could be used in, you know, by financial uh, companies offering loans or anything like that. So, you know, nothing is completely uh, benign. So something to think about with this type of breach. All right, thanks for that. Uh, lovely, lovely take on it. So, oh, God, <laughs> this is a delicious story. Uh, um, Tongue-in-cheek. Um, the man that fosters Christmas spirit. Um, so we've got this geezer from uh, the CEO of BetterCon that obviously hasn't read uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Um not only does he decide to sack his employees just before Christmas, he berates them on this website blind. This is a delicious story. So, Chris, would you sack some of your staff just before Christmas and then berate them on a forum website saying that they're useless anyway? Well, in my career as a manager inside other companies and leading my own company, I have had to fire a, a a good amount of people, and it's not easy. So I just would want you, to would that you fire me, Chris. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. But oh. um, the the thing here is, oh, like, that's like my feelings, <laughs> <laughs> from a management perspective, I always, you know, in a complex world, I always default back to simple rules. And one of my simple rules is criticize and 
praise in public, criticize in private, right? Firing somebody is kind of like the ultimate criticism. So doing that in a group format is, I think, the hugest mistake. Now, I'm a small business guy. You can, I couldn't have 900 individual conversations, but that's what middle management is for. Somebody needs to have private one-on-ones with the report. Oh, Chris, the what are they complaining about? They could have, you could have just texted them, you well, sat. No, uh, I mean, people... The most important thing when you fire somebody is to protect their human dignity and self-esteem. And it is okay to deliver a little bit of, you know, critical feedback of like, hey, this is what went wrong. But this method of firing does not protect people's self-esteem. And when I saw this, I actually saw this like on social media somewhere and I just clicked through and there's this guy who's getting fired and he's filming this computer screen with his phone. And I, I see this thing and I'm just like, wow, this is, this is uh, not how to do it. But um, I, I think at the end of the day, even in tech, sometimes we forget that people are really the heart and the soul of a business, even when there's a lot of technology and automation. And this is an example of where we kind of jump the shark a little bit. Why are you insulting dolphins as well? That's what really got me. He said he's, he, the people he was sacking were like useful dolphins. And I thought, that's the insult to dolphins. Dolphins are intelligent. They, ha- they hunt in packs. I thought that was an insult to dolphins myself. Um, well, Spencer, I've got a new target for continuous English right. sarcasm. Over he's, into, he's like the Gordon Ramsay of CEOs. You dolphins! You know, like <laughs> dolphins. Uh, this this guy, um, he was the founder, but you know the devil's in the details. So if you look at the actual CNN business story, you can see the part about it says the SoftBank backed mortgage lender was um, receiving seven hundred and fifty million in cash as part of a new deal. Number one, remember, SoftBank are the ones that backed WeWork. But they give, they give, they give and, me so many stories and, on this. And show. that founder just like put his tail between his legs and sucked it up, and you know the billion dollars of money that was given away to the character and his wife never was recovered. They're never prosecuted. They're not under trial. But he obviously took you know private capital from his fund and lost it at the casino with WeWork. Apparently. Maybe there was some pressure on this particular CEO, which doesn't justify his actions. But maybe the SoftBank people put a little lean on him that said, uh, hey, listen, we got to lighten the load by about 900 people before you get the money. You know what I'm saying? So I think there there could be something under that. But here's the, the takeaway is I was thinking it's like a mindset of this CEO was like villain in a movie. Like it was... Like any villain, it could have been the, you know, like Bob Cratchit scenario, or it could be like Slumdog Millionaire. But like these were people involved in things such as the diversity, equity, and inclusion recruiting team. <laughs> well, you don't even have to stand your title. Do it before Christmas. Get rid of all the, the, the people in charge of making sure that we have a really balanced people and do it publicly so that it will get leaked. That you know, you cut their heads off in public and like shame them and then call them dolphins. It's like write out the script, give it to the Weinstein company, and they'll make the movie about it. You know? uh, I look forward to the other train wrecks of this CEO's career. You know, it's going to be endless. This, Do you know, this in the end, in the end, what's so sad about this yeah. is that if it ends up making money. He'll be glorified for yeah, this. Yeah, down the road. Well, not That's by me. Not, not by me. <laughs> I'll leave that to other shadow souls. So, Paul, what a delicious story, Paul. If only <laughs> if it was a, only if it was a WordPress story. If only it was a WordPress story. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm not that up on this particular story, but I mean, my takeaway from listening to what you guys are saying is um, if they've been likened to dolphins and dolphins hunt in packs, there's 900 of those dolphins ready to hunt in packs. Maybe they've got a good target to go after. And I don't think it would take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to figure out who that could be. So I'll just leave it at that. I'm so upset when he brought in dolphins because Flipper... I used to watch Flipper on the TV and Flipper, you came straight to my mind. I thought, why are you insulting dolphins? So, John, the dolphin insulter, what do you think is going on in this geezer's mind? 
Uh, it's just money. I mean, this is a mortgage company. Um, and he said, oh, oh, these people are only working two hours a day. Uh, you know, this, oh, this, this line, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this. And I don't want to do this. Last time I did it, I cried. As he said, completely emotionless. <laughs> Look, man, it's like dolphin tears. Mortgage, mortgages and and real estate it's you know like i said it's it's valuable there's a lot of money in it but you know people get ruthless like when there's a lot of money uh involved so it is what it is man people just are ruthless so it is what it oh, is so, yeah got this, well sucking them just before christmas you know so they can't yeah it's like taking it's like a bowl and saying here's your severance yeah, but it's not only that, but the way, but then he has to, you know, talk about a train wreck. Raul, Sally, what, what do you reckon about this, this I, delicious, I I'd rather, delicious story? I, I'd rather work for Chris Badgett than for this guy. That's that's what I reckon. <laughs> well, uh, Chris uh, would even hire me. He hire you, but he won't even hire, consider hire me. We'll have that conversation in private. After this show, Chris, for sure. But any any additional? I don't think I have any any special insight that anyone else hasn't hasn't mentioned. You know, I I definitely noticed that the DEI team was was not in. Well, they weren't generating revenue. Yeah, you know, some people in your company have. Positions that are meant for different things. Uh, I look forward to this geezer beating in other stories. I think oh, we have. I think you we know, have. It's. It's. I think they've partly looked at. Well, look at the famous, successful billionaire CEOs, who are well-known assholes. Some of them with rockets. Well, uh, and and it must be that the key to being a great billionaire CEO is to be an look, asshole. Look, Presto. I want to make it clear to you, Sally. I've gone to the back. I've gone to the Amazon retraining camp, and I don't want to say, state in public to you, Sally, that Amazon is a superb company, the best that America can provide. Its founder is an inspiration to the American people, a generous, warm individual that puts his employees at the center of his consciousness. Nobody believes you because you're too old to be working at Amazon. They wouldn't let you work there because you're too old to be competing against the robots. There we go. I just want to make that clear to you, Sally, (laughs) that the re-education has worked, Sally. So um, let's go on to story three, um, Black Friday. Uh, I've got a couple of stories, one of them from Justin, the form was, I don't know what his title is still at LearnDash, I'm sure Chris Lemo has given him a title. Uh, um, so, uh, um, so, Paul, what was your take on, and there's another story, um, what was your take on these two stories around Black Friday? You're going to have to enlighten me on this one because I don't really know what the, the story behind the story, this is. Have you read the stories, Paul? No. 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 <laughs> I was too busy on Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So you, you, you're fit, uh, well, you, you're, you you become a regular because none of the other bloody panel read the story. <laughs> yes. But, uh, uh, let me sum them up for you. They both amount to if you have a product, uh, 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 a WordPress product, you should have a Black Friday sale. And you should not cheapen the value of your Black Friday sale by having lots of other sales. Right. Okay. Um, isn't that kind of contradictory to Black Friday, really? I don't know. I'd like to say it's one of those things that I've, I've not really looked into this whole thing. I've been just, I'll be brutally honest with you. I'm, exp- well, not personally, but my baby is due to be born in just over a week's time. So my head is somewhere a little bit different to, um, to WordPress. You have other priorities. Good for <laughs> I you. do have other priorities. So I do apologize to Chris Lima and, um, you know, sort of any of those LMSs out there that uh, I haven't looked into. But that's that's my excuse, and the dogs were there just eating my homework as well. Oh, just wanted to say, blame just... the dog, are you? Right, yeah, on. yeah, he's not even there, but I'm going to blame him anyway. Oh God, he's got his scratch. Oh, blimey. oh Jesus, he's got he a good scratch there, Spencer. <laughs> um, that's, um, my te- that's my tension reliever. Right. <laughs> so I thought one of the aspects of this, Paul, because you know your slight 
how shall I put it? Your slight back and forth with delicious brains and their lifetime. Um, obviously, in one of these articles, Justin says you should never, never do a lifetime deal, which I, I like the article, um, Paul, but I totally disagree with that. I think as long as you do lifetime deal, deals in a logical, upfront, don't offer them for all the time, I don't, you know, you, you just got to have a, um, know what you're getting involved with. Um, so what's your remarks about lifetime deals? Do you think they're the devil's brew or do you think there's a middle ground? No, I, th- I think when it comes to lifetime deals, I think they have their time and they have their place. I mean, if you look at, we're talking about the Advanced Custom Fields uh, Pro lifetime deal, that's kind of like the big thing that I'm sure you're referring to with regards to me. Uh but you know, it's one of those things that early in the life cycle of a product where you have, you know, you have a small user base, you want to expand that, you want to make it as attractive as possible, you want to raise capital so you can take on support staff, you can take on more developers, those kinds of things. I see absolutely nothing wrong with that side of things. You know, they have their place in in this technology that we kind of all involved in. But like you say, when you kind of get further on down the line, you're an established product, then lifetime deals, repeated lifetime deals at least, can definitely cheapen the whole value of the product in people's minds. And the problem with that is that it's very hard to come back from it. You know, once you've kind of said there's a lifetime deal, then there's a couple of weeks. It's like it's like DFS, if anybody knows what DFS is. It's basically a sofa store in the UK that constantly runs a discount. It's like once one finishes, the next one starts the day after. And it's like you never look at it as being that's the price because you know when you walk in that store, pretty much everything is discounted. And that's pretty much what you do with a lifetime deal if you continually run it, whether that's on one product or multiple products inside your brand and you just flip those over several months. I think it's a, it's a bad kind of way of running a business because all people do is look at that and say, well, you think it's worth that amount of money, but the reality is we know you're putting a lower ticket on it and you're inflating that price to make it look more attractive when you run your lifetime deal. So that's kind of what my view is. I think there's a time and a place for those kinds of things and it's it's being sensible about it. It's being sensible that you use it to raise capital, raise interest early on, or if you want to run a lifetime deal, there has to be a reason why you want to run it. You don't continually keep repeating it, you know, ad infinitum kind of thing. That we might take on lifetime deals. Not inherently bad, but they have to be run properly. So, John, what was your view on this? Yeah, so Black Friday deals are definitely a customer acquisition strategy, and they work. I'm sure that Chris can attest to this, but uh, when you run a sale on a specific day that everybody's looking to uh, buy products at a discount, they don't end up leaving right away. They might stay with that product for several years. So that ends up becoming monthly recurring revenue. Uh, So as an acquisition strategy, they're smart. Uh, I agree with what Paul said about lifetime deals being a thing that you should only run um, when you're early on you're trying to get cash for to, to ramp up your product. Uh, not a thing that you want to be running on your product deep into the lifespan uh, of that product because it just ends up being, uh, you know, a negative investment for your company. So Yeah, I think, I think sparingly is the key word, I think. Sally, what was your view on, on these two pieces? Uh, yeah, I, I thought the ellipsis analysis was uh, <clears throat> was very good uh, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at the details and seeing, you know, well, how, you know, what's the average discount? And, oh, the interesting fact that, you know, a lot of uh, general consumer product, you know, Black Friday sales are like maybe actually a 1% discount. People aren't really getting things uh, cheaper. Um and, you know, we've had several people on this panel who've launched products and made a specific decision to say, hey, we're going to run a lifetime deal, you know, basically at the time we launch to get some, uh, grow an initial user base. And then that's it. Everybody else afterwards gets the, you know, you have to pay every year. And and I looked at a lot of Black Friday stuff this year and 
thought uh, that while there were one or two things that that were kind of compelling, um, you know, all of a sudden I was paying for all the things that I bought on Black Friday last year and, uh, you know, some of which I hadn't used. Uh, so I restrained myself. But I think, you know, yeah, whether or not uh, you live in a country that celebrates Thanksgiving on the last, you know, on the fourth uh, uh, Thursday of November, uh, everybody seems to have been forced into to Black Friday and customer expectations are a thing you have to deal with. Uh, so you just want to handle it in a way where it is actually, I mean, you know, it got its name because it puts your store in the black. So you can't discount things so much that you end up losing money. Yes. Oh, she brought the, oh, brought the yes, star. Yes, Paul, this is, this is uh, uh, my uh, cat who can never get enough attention uh, <laughs> and uh, likes to come upstage me. I love it. The rankings go straight up when I have cats on the show. <laughs> um, so, Spencer, I, really, I agreed with almost 80% of Justin's article. I don't agree with his view about lifetime deals. I thought that was too black and white for me. Um, but I thought you had some good points. And the second article had some interesting um, details about how um, around the subject. So what, what did you think of the two, two articles? Well, for the first time ever, I'm going to be contrarian. Never. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to throw a third variable into this conversation, which I believe, based upon my last year of experiencing this, plus my 15, 16 years in WordPress, I'm making another personal prediction of which way the wind's blowing. First of all, let's qualify Justin's articles, which are very well thought out, and he's proven successful and sold his company, and everything's great. But he has a company that was created at a different place, at a different time, in the WordPress ecosystem, and his plugins, I say the plugin suite, are different than other plugins. So the third variable I'm going to throw into this conversation is what type of plugin or solution are you offering? Because that changes the entire equation of everything he argues for, which he's not wrong, but he's not being fair or including the conversation. We have foundational core feature plugins versus add-ons and accessory plugins. Frameworks versus Swiss Army knives. Now, for a foundational plugin like LearnDash or Lifter or, you know, like I work with Jackalive, you know, WP Fusion, those are businesses that you would probably want to be very precious about protecting the recurring revenue that you have, irrespective of Black Friday, because the entire value of the business's sale will be a multiplier of 10 or 12 versus two or three if you had sold everything as a one-time product. Those companies, my prediction will be, are going to be fewer and fewer and fewer in the future because we're moving everybody who's a developer into vertical silos owned by one larger company. And so it's going to be like working for the, the WWF in the future. All of the coolest stuff are going to be developed in-house because there's going to be money given to the people. Why would you try on your own in the future to become a Justin Farrenman in a world where you got Liquid Web and GoDaddy and automatic and everybody with tens of millions of dollars trying to develop the same thing to compete with you. All right. Second issue, the Black Friday. Contrarian, maybe, but I find that the Black Friday has become the email of, uh, of, of sales, or if you will, the old mailbox of sales. There was a time where you used to go to your mailbox and it was flowing with crap. Now, if you go to your mailbox, I'm lucky if I get one piece of mail a day. It's still one little piece of crap, whereas email is loaded with crap. I could functionally not use my email for about three days over the Thanksgiving holiday, right? It was just Black Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday. <laughs> At a certain point, who can actually focus on anything? And then you got the remorse regret factor, which is Sally's. If you are buying a recurring revenue thing on Black Friday and you get 60% off and you treat it like most people, which is something you don't know you need, but you just bought it. When the recurring renewal notice comes up, you start to feel like, you know, it's like photographs of that one night stand you had last year on holiday in Bermuda. And you're like, oh, I don't like myself anymore. Now, if you bought the lifetime membership, that's fine too. But in the lifetime membership, and here's my, my conclusion. I think, and I'm living that dream, that there's a category of products in WordPress that are independent accessories. Paul is an expert at this because he talks about them all the time on his YouTube channel, the Elementor add-ons and so forth. 
If you've got a big hippo like Elementor and you can write accessories to fix what they will not fix, you can essentially sell a lifetime deal at $30, $40, $50 price point and acquire as many customers as you need because they get 5.9 million users. You will never use up all other users Mm -hmm. and there's no remorse and you can avoid Black Friday. Because the other thing about it is if you have a $49 plug-in and you sell it at a 50% discount, like you're getting two pennies on the dollar. Yeah, yeah so, but I, I do I do love Paul and he's on the show, but Paul, that last video, it was a bridge too far for me, Paul. You know, add-ons who sort out oxygen's crappy UX design. I'm no, sorry, don't, Paul. Don't, I, Paul, sorry, I'm not, Paul, I don't know what he's going on about. I'm not criticizing Paul. I'm saying Paul actually is representing a lot of videos about that product line. I mean, in other words, I think Paul, I come to his channel because he does bring out like, look at this new accessory for Elementor or look at this new thing for for Gutenberg Blocks. That is what my plugin launch flows does. It's a WooCommerce tchotchke. It's not a framework. And even though it competes against CartFlows or WooFunnels, it's not what they do. And so I'm not concerned about deluding myself into it being a plugin like WP Fusion that five years from now, I'm going to have people who are subscribing and paying annually for launch flows. I'm thinking launch flows is an accessory that has an unlimited number of people. There's tens of millions of users who will buy it on a whim and they will keep it and use it as they wish, but they won't have any remorse the next year. And I think that's what we need to look at when we're talking about this. Justin is a thought leader, but I do think he has to qualify his statements by saying there are certain things that I did that aren't true anymore, you know. So, Chris, what was your take on it? Uh, There's a saying my friend Dan says that you get tired of your marketing before the market ever does. I have a lot of friends that um, have WordPress product companies. And this year, especially with everything going on in the world, I heard, oh, I'm just, I'm not going to focus on Black Friday this year. It's, you know, I'm just going to pass, opt out. (laughs) And... uh, I've been through seven Black Fridays with Lifter LMS. And the way I think about it is it's like a recurring event, right? First, you just have to let go and depersonalize the fact that, um, yeah, everybody's inboxes are going to have a lot of emails and maybe you'll get some unsubscribes. But it's really a time of year, at least in WordPress, I found that it's important for an entrepreneur to build up the, the chest of resources so that they can deploy further into their vision faster. So I look at Black Friday as a, um, you got to make hay when the sun is shining. (laughs) You know, the river is flooded, it's swollen, the attention's higher, the conversion rates are higher, everything's higher. So execute a playbook. That's why what Ellipsis is doing, they're like kind of picking like, oh, we're seeing these patterns of what's working and what's not. Every year we run the exact same playbook. It has at this point probably 150 different things that happen from a marketing perspective around Black Friday. Uh, But we always try new things. Like this year, I ran this kind of last minute call live, just a Zoom meeting. And uh, I've never made so much in a single hour of my life in terms of that kind of event that I created to test. So we're going to do that again next year (laughs) on Black Friday. But it's nice to hear you can sponsor my show a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there we go. Uh, We're going to go for our break. Back in a few moments, folks. Hi there, folks. Are you looking to build modern shopping cart landing pages using the power of WooCommerce for yourself or for clients? And you want to do that quickly with little need to know about hand coding? Well, if the answer is yes, and it should be, I've got the perfect answer for you, and that's Launch Flows. Launch Flows is the most modern and easiest way of building modern landing shopping pages for your clients. It also works natively with Gutenberg and the leading page builders like Elementor or Divi. It's really flexible, really powerful. Plus, if you go to the WP Tonic website, Backlink newsletter, you'll get an amazing deal of the Launch Flows lifetime deal. I think you almost get a third off, which is just amazing. And it's just an exclusive offer to you, the tribe. Please show your support for Launch Flows, who's a sponsor of the WP Tonic podcast and for the show itself. It's much appreciated. I'm Bertha an AI-based writing assistant to help you write better content on your WordPress website. 
In just a few clicks you can ask me to help you write outstanding content for your website that's guaranteed to convert, from blog posts to landing pages, to product pages. Never be left with that blank page again. You can try me for free on Bertha.ai. See you soon. We're coming back. We're in the Christmas spirit. It's going to be our last show next week before the Christmas break and New Year break. Um, before we go into another story, I just want to say, if you're looking to buy, have some recommendations from me around plugins, WordPress services that I rate, that I use myself, go to the WP Tonic slash recommendations and you'll be taking there's some fantastic special deals there as well but there'll be a list of plugins that are and services that i highly recommend and i'm sure paul would recommend them as well there we go <laughs> who knows uh, um, so <laughs> she's looking at me uh, um, on to the next one um aws um had a slight problem to say the least um so who should um spencer what did you think of um amazon web services slight problem i mean it was inevitable that they're gonna some remember the movie airplane where the guy like pulls the plug on all the electricity and they're like <laughs> yeah, i'm too old so i'm referring to something but like it's inevitable that the service that all the other services rely upon is going to go down so it's really interesting to me because there's very few things that you can do to avoid Amazon entirely, but there were some companies, including Lewis Ross. Why, why would, look, you're not on message, Spencer. You don't need to avoid them. They are a superb company that really, really looks after their I am people. Jonathan Dunwood. I am <laughs> Jeff Bezos paid me to say this message. Um, John, um, do, Lewis do Rothman, you know, have you got no hint who might be my major sponsor? I hope year? so. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would love sponsored by Amazon. Um, Lewis Rossman, the guy who was known for forcing the hand of Apple and other companies, um, had a good YouTube uh, spout on this because he had sort of backed himself into using a lot of the other esoteric Amazon services for everything, including billing and customer support and his phone system. And he really got taken to the cleaners when this happened and a few other people on the WordPress side of things. So I don't know if there's an easy answer, but one of the things that I say in almost every consulting conversation with people is WordPress is singularly unique because you can cut the cord of almost every other outside dependency except for SMTP and maybe payment gateways and own it, control it in a box. If the shit hit the proverbial fan with your host one day, you could literally be open running on another host in a matter of 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the size of the site. You can't do anything if all of your business is running on other outside SaaSes and they all go down. But worse, if you rely too much that your entire business is on Amazon services, well, here's an example of what your day might look like. And... That's the danger in a world of really inexpensive, high-powered stuff. Amazon stuff is amazing and very well-priced. But I think to some extent, you have to protect or hedge yourself against the notion that you know, one day a guy's going to pull the plug on it or cause aggravation. It was the rocket collapsing, maybe. I don't know. So, Paul, what do you reckon about this one? I think it's as Spencer just said. I think if you build your entire business around the reliance upon one individual company, at some point it's going to fail. doesn't matter how big a company like Amazon is. And let's be honest about it, they make everything very, very attractive. Again, like Spencer says, when it comes to being incredibly cost-effective to get so many services, your mail services, your hosting, you know, your, your sort of like your online um, storage and things like that, where every egg you own is in that basket, at some point someone's going to drop that basket. In this case, like you say, when you've got Disney, I understand there's several other big, big companies that use that as the backbone of their, their delivery network. That's a big problem. You would kind of think some of these bigger companies would be investing, especially the amount of money they're probably making, invest in some of that money into their own infrastructure and oh, not being reliant the, upon one. That's not the American way, Paul. <laughs> I'm obviously not American. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, um, you've got to find the cheapest way to do everything possible. Uh, um, so there we go. So oh, I'm going to get some heat mail. So, Chris, what did you think? 
It was inevitable, wasn't it? You know, but there we go, Chris. But, you know, this is why you don't want to use Kajabi. That's why you want to use Lifter, isn't it, Chris? Well, we can make the same argument, actually, of what Paul's saying about WordPress, like dependency on WordPress. So that's uh, dependencies, you know, the layers of abstraction in technology is always a thing. One of the things that makes WordPress so powerful is the ability for anyone to, like, create, publish, create content without even understanding or knowing all the things that are supporting that underneath. So eventually, sometimes the system gets gut-checked by a major outage, like way down low, just like a power outage in your house. (laughs) And then you realize, oh, there's this foundational layer. It's inevitable. Like nothing has... That's why all the hosting companies say 99.999% uptime, because something's going to happen sometime. There was um, the people that we used, they got a, had a DOS attack and we were down for, oh, I must have had a, had a lot of emails sent to me, but uh, um, it's the first time it's happened in 18 months, but there we go. So, John, what did you reckon about this one? Well, every online service is going to experience a downtime at one time or another. The thing with Amazon Web Services is it has the largest market share of any cloud computing service. And especially in the enterprise, a lot of companies use it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, even my son knew about this outage. I guess it was, you know, on his radar too. Um, You know, outages happen. Hosting, um, any any type of of cloud computing, it's going to have downtime uh, sometime or another. So... Is just something that happens. So, okay. So, Sally, any last words? Uh, yeah, I think maybe Netflix and Disney need to look into having a failover to another system. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> but there we go. I think they can't afford that, can't they? I would At least one that. level of redundancy would be good. Yeah, you would have thought. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of individuals who are affected and it's inconvenient. But, like, yeah, if my website is down for a day, uh, probably, you know, nothing dramatic is going to happen, and I may not even notice. Like my, um, I would have loved meet-up, to be. I my meetup loved- website is on Pagely. I found out that you know they sent a bunch of mails the next day. Oops, sorry. Yes, yeah, some of our customers were affected by this. But I would have loved to have been the fly in the wall of um, the chief technology officer of Disney going to see his CEO the day after. You? Oh, I can but see the go. argument. Well, but you told me to cut costs. <laughs> <laughs> you cut, all right. Goodbye. Uh, um, so there we go. Uh, um, on to um, story five, the state of the word 2021, whatever. 22, whatever, 21 still. So, Chris, you had some things you wanted to say about our great leader and anticipation of his great and understandable words of wisdom. Yeah, I'll I'll try to say it as succinctly as I can. This is more like my wish list of what I hope happens with the state of the word uh, next week. And I think WordPress, to really cement the the deal for the next decade has a huge opportunity right now and this window is open. And um, Matt mentions in the, the, the pre-up, like what's coming, there's going to be some talk about Web3 and non-fungible tokens. So I'm personally, I think, Jonathan, your interview with Jordan Gall around um, the future of e-commerce, I totally get it. I'm already... Did you? I didn't understand a word of it, but there we go. So. I, I've been inside this world for many years as a curious technologist, and I, I can see what's coming. And this is a huge opportunity for WordPress, for Web3. And, what I, and these things are buzzwords, Web3, NFT, blockchain, crypto, all this stuff. Well, if you want to make a load of money, Chris, you've got to have your buzzwords, haven't you? Yes, but there is some real technology here. And, I'm, you know, we could talk about this as an investor, as a macroeconomist, as a, like, talk about the people in the space. I know you have your issues with Tether. Uh, but I'm just coming at this from pure decentralized computing technology uh, and the macroeconomic world of what's happening with tokenization and uh, the move towards digital property and the, really the digitization of everything. Because WordPress is a um, already decentralized and open source, it has and community base, 
it has a based it has a unique opportunity right now that I think one of the best things that could happen, don't know if it is, don't know if uh, Matt or Automatic is thinking about it, is to take this opportunity to do what happened with um, Bitcoin. If you actually study the history of Bitcoin and its founder, who nobody knows who it is, his name is, or their name is Satoshi Nakamoto, that Satoshi is still anonymous. Like nobody knows who he is. And literally the project runs on its own in a decentralized distributed way. So my biggest and highest wish list is for essentially, uh, we know who Matt Mullenweg is. We know who the founding, how the founding of WordPress started, but it is to actually give the WordPress project from a governance standpoint to the WordPress community. <laughs> and and that could happen. Uh, uh, Maybe I'm being uh, uh, it will never don't, happen. Don't, it will don't, don't never happen. The opportunity is here. Don't get me wrong, Chris. <laughs> I, I I totally agree with what you've just said, but it will it will never. We have got an individual that publicly stated that he was the non-elected head of WordPress forever. When the when individual's got such ego, it's, you know, the idea that he's going to give any kind of power to anybody unless he's forced to, yeah. it's not going to happen, Chris. Well, um, there's one more thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll step off, is in terms of succession planning, which is where you plan the future for when you're no longer around or incapacitated or whatever, uh, that needs to happen for WordPress. And WordPress can... That there is technology here and already momentum on some of the the things that make Web three work. That this could happen, and it doesn't have to be an event. It can be a process. So it doesn't mean like he just gives everything away. He can still hold a lot of the governance tokens, but have a plan for uh, <clears throat> things to ro- to roll on for the to the point that like in a hundred years from now the project is. Uh, don't get me wrong, Chris, because I've been thinking the same thoughts as you, but I just do not see this. It's coming. But it won't come from automatic and Matt because it. But there, his days are numbered. I feel because I think this is a technology that can be applied to WordPress. This and is we, why the opportunity is so big, is because WordPress can actually evolve into Web three. But we have to take the lead and we have to do it, as opposed to be disrupted. It's a shame, by and I, I, and it's a shame that Matt hasn't got the capacity or the insight to step away and be more gracious, but he just hasn't. So it is what it is. Um, but he's, you know, he this, his days are numbered because of this, what's coming. So, Spencer, what, what do you think? I agree with 100% what Chris said. I'm laughing because there's two ways this can happen. There's the, the way it's going to happen and the way Chris, because he's the nicest human being I know, is suggesting should happen, but I don't think is going to. So Matt is the sock puppet for the venture capitalists that back him. Okay, He has to be. That's the, the deal he's made. They are, the venture capitalists at Automatic and whomever are not going to hand over the keys to the kingdom. But as we've talked about, and I've been yapping about for two and a half years now, the Wix founder has made clear This is an open source code base. They have to live and die by the sword. So the way it's going to happen is that some organization or several organizations are going to take, because they can take it, and they're going to do with it what we all need and want them to do with it, which is exactly as you've said. It's just a matter of time, whether it's the individuals themselves banding together as an organization, and I have some things to say about that, or whether it be one of the other vertical companies that gets enough momentum, or it ties into what I was talking about earlier about how I think the WordPress software ecosystem is going to go. When you incentivize people in a way that they can fix all of the stuff that's been sitting around, like John Locke said, for 11 years, the Gravatar thing has been growing mold on the outside of its box. It's like an engineer could solve that in one afternoon if you had an engineer that was incentivized financially to do so, right? And all of this mental masturbation in the uh, developer groups about like what we should do. It's hilarious because I love the developers. I put one foot in that category so that I can understand how to speak their language. They're not living in the reality of the marketers. And they're not living in the reality of the business owners. And they're not living in the reality of the customers sometimes. 
But when you put them all together under a real company, organized in a real way, then you've got an interesting possibility. So I love what you said. I agree with it. But it's not going to happen because Matt turns it over. It's going to happen because there's a, a bit of a, a, a scuffle at the border. History doesn't always repeat, but it rhymes. This literally happened in Bitcoin, which was something called the block wars, which was a forking situation. So we can literally look back in history and see how to address this. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it happened yeah. in Linux, too. It's coming. It's going to, I think, I predict in the second half of next year, something's brewing. And it's a shame, really. I, you know, it's, you know, a lot of aggro is going to be caused, but he won't move. He hasn't got... So, Paul, what do you reckon? Because um, what do you think we're going to hear next week? And what did you think of what Chris and Spencer had to say? Well, when I can decipher what they've said, I'll come back to you with an answer to that one. Um, look, I've got a, a different point. I, mean, I don't really take too much notice of the politics of WordPress and what kind of goes on behind the, the technical scenes. But what I do think is there's a massive disconnect between what Automatic are doing and what the user base actually wants and needs. I mean, you've only got to look at Gutenberg and full site editing and things like that to realize that look at, look at the ratings on Gutenberg, the plugin. Look at the ratings. They've always been, you know, really, really poor. So at some point, something's going to happen. Yes, we've got uh, sort of forks of, of WordPress and things that are out there. And, you know, they're not going to be as successful as WordPress. But like you say, at some point, it's either going to be a case of forcefully WordPress is going to be taken in a direction that, that the user base actually wants. Uh, and something is going to have to change. But like I say, my knowledge of the actual background, the sort of the structure of Automatic and WordPress and, and all the people that are kind of involved with it, I've got to be brutally honest, it's not something I'm overly interested in. I just wish they would actually pull their fingers out, listen to what you, the users want. I mean, when you've got that bigger user base, you know, was it a third of the internet is run on WordPress? You, you kind of, at some point, you've got to think, how big is your ego to not listen to what people actually want and keep on forcing your opinion, your vision? Very large ego, but honestly. So, John... Um, you know, I've had some conversations with you, John, around this subject, and I'm really excited because I didn't think there was any way of moving this unmovable rock, but I think it's going to be kicked out and we'll be able to move this project in the direction where it should go. What do you think, John? Well, I think that would be poetic justice. Um, not that I have anything against the leadership, but... No, I haven't really. It's just there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you know, there's there's more than what's visible. Still waters run deep and, you know. But uh, yeah, I... It, that's the thing that people, you know, forget about in the WordPress community. Everybody's like, rah, rah, rah. We're 45% of the web, which is... That's great. Uh, but there's one person right now in charge of the direction and um, any attempts at having the community or it, you know, any type of oversight or governance has been um, opposed. So, uh, but at the end of the day, you're right. It's, you know, all these companies, uh, all these VC investors, Salesforce put in a bunch of money um, in this last round, you know, there's, there's lots of investors in automatic, and Automatic is who controls uh, this project uh, for right now. But you can see on the horizon there are a lot of things going on, like um, Automatic seeming to have a big problem with Elementor uh, running ads against full site editing and, and things like that. Uh, but their attempts to be a legitimate competitor to Squarespace and Wix and Shopify, who is growing and growing and growing, uh, we'll see how it all turns out. That's all, right. all I got to say for now. Are you okay, Sally? If we go into the recommendations, because I don't. Uh, miss... Yes, I think you can. You you can go ahead on. I mean, you know, we'll be having a a, a watch party. I'm sure that we'll hear something about the uh, open source metaverse. Uh, 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 I'm and, sure you will. Yes. Sure. Uh, so you know. Uh, um, the, the thing about having the watch party is then, you know, if you feel like making snarky comments, there's somebody to, no, you know, make go. them too. There we are. 
Um, so let's go into our recommendations. Spencer, if you can try and help me out and make sure they're in the sure. Slack, that would be great. So let's start with Spencer. Spencer, what's your recommendation for the tribe? Have you uh, got one? I think you're okay with it, but I'm basically doing a workshop this week. Uh, it's for basically the same thing. It's at, it's at the WPLaunchClub.com slash workshop. It's the same thing that I talk about with people in a private conversation, but we're trying out this new workshop format. Like Chris said, I'm always interested in trying out new techniques, new tactics. And there was uh, this workshop technique that was uh, brought to me that uh, that I paid for, and I decided to give it a try. And the whole story is on that uh, link. But wplaunchclub.com slash workshop, you'll get the same value as a $300 consulting call, but you'll come away with the stack of stuff that you would use for a modern business, all the marketing automation, e-learning, e-commerce and stuff. And it's really, uh, for somebody who's tippy-toeing into the waters, guaranteed to pay for itself because usually you avoid things and don't have to keep things. So the savings is in what you don't use. Um, so definitely like to have anybody check that out. Oh, yes, that's true. true. My recommendation is WP Vivid. If you're looking for a really yeah. good backup plugin, um, the free version is not crippled. It really does work. And their paid version, I think... It's excellent value, and it actually works, and it's not ridiculously complicated, unlike some of the other options out there, and you'll find that on my list at WPTonic slash recommendations. Um, so, Paul, have you got something that you want to share with the tribe? Yeah, I think I can sort of back up what you're saying with WPVivid.com. I've been using that myself for quite some time. And if you want to augment that with a non-Amazon-based storage utility, I'd recommend checking out pCloud, who offer various different plans that give you a really good way of integrating that directly with WPVivid Backup. Run your backups, run your update backups direct through to it. Very easy to use. Works on your iPhone, works on your iPad, all your different devices. It's something that uh, I've picked up myself and integrated into my whole process now. So I'd recommend checking that out. That's just pcloud.com. Could you say that again, Paul? What is it? pcloud.com. Yeah, can, can you put it in? Oh, yes, of course I can. Can you put it in chat and then Spencer will put it in? pcloud.com? pcloud.com, yes. I think. Put it into chat and Spencer will put it into Slack for me. So, Sally, have you got something you want to recommend to the tribe? I do. I need to set up an uh, uh, email forwarder for a client this week. Uh, and since the Cloudflare service uh, for that is still in beta, uh, uh, I ended up using something called Improv MX. Uh, and Stephanie in the Slack has just uh, capped it with something called forwardemail.net. So if uh, for some reason uh, you need that kind of um, a service to uh, set up a free forwarder for somebody where they don't need a complete uh, email system. Um, uh, check those out and I will put them both in the chat. Yeah, and Spencer will put them in Slack for me. So, John, have you got a recommendation? Yeah, this is my, my recommendation this week is a book by Lisa Maria Martin called Everyday Information Architecture. As part of the Book Apart series, but if you uh, build websites and you organize content in any way, uh, if you work on on websites, this is a good uh, book, especially uh, if you're working on sites of any complexity or size. So, so I put the link in chat, and Spencer will assist me. Um, so, Chris, have you got a recommendation for the tribe? I do. We actually just, it's what's in this picture behind me. I thought you um, might bring that up, actually, Chris. I just got the slight hint that you might be bringing that up, yeah. Uh, so, so basically, one of the challenges in the people building courses and training-based membership sites is they don't get any customers. They don't get any learners or clients or members. That is um, a slight problem, isn't it? It's a huge problem. And they. so what we did is um, we got some of our successful folks together with the LiftLMS team uh, to create some effective training that anybody can do to go from zero to their first 10 enrollments. And uh, they brought, uh, there's a lot of great stuff here. It's highly distilled. It's like a 10 lesson course. It's completely free. It's something we're just giving to the community because um, there's just way too much failure, which is usually caused by that, those first steps of getting to even one enrollment. 
Uh, so that's that's our enroll summit. That's great. Um, and um, Tribe, if you want to be more part of the community, go to the WP Tonic Mastermind group. It's all about those that make money and are living from WordPress. So if you want to get more involved in the Tribe and the discussion, please join me on the WP Tonic Facebook Mastermind group. That would be fantastic. So, panel, thank you so much. It's been a great discussion. Thank you, Paul. Hopefully you will agree to come back in the new year, Paul. It hasn't put you off forever. Uh, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll be uh, back again if you want me back. And I hope you're, you know, the birth <laughs> and it all goes well, Paul. I, I know you must be getting a little bit stressed out, but thank you for still agreeing to come on the show. We'll see, we'll see you soon, folks, next week. for our, And I've got some... I've got a very special guest joining us next week. You're going to be blown away, folks. Not uh, no, don't do that. I was, I was going to do. I was going well there. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.